in some way the points have been ordered, so you can see some um, clusters of high similarity or some regions of high similarity, um, and the block structure appearing. So you can sort of take clustering output, even if you don't, uh, if you can't visualize the, the data points original space, you could attempt to visualize all against all data matrix, all against all business matrix in this way, and identify, uh, try to visualize whether the cluster borders are sharp or not, with uh, uh, clusters appearing in here. But this is very uh, sort of visual inspection. Actually, it's, uh, it's not so clear uh, how to validate uh, that clustering the results are correct. So this is just visual inspection in here. Um, but the overall validation of clustering is something that is uh, that does not have a simple answer. Especially as we have been looking different clustering methods trying to capture different types of clusters from the data. Uh, of course you can build measures that really calculate within the cluster distances as compared to the distance to the near other clusters. Even the nearby cluster should be far away from, from your cluster. Right? So you, you could take all the distances within the cluster compared to all the distances between the next cluster. You don't want to compare to far away clusters because that's probably far anyway. Uh, what else could you try to do? Uh, one technique that has been used sometimes is that, um, as you know, many of the clustering algorithms, they really depend how you start your process. K-means, how do you select the initial symptoms? Um, or which random order you are using. So one way to sort of validate clusters it would be to do many clustering exercises and try to observe how frequently you get the same things together in the same cluster. If, uh, if the clustering is rather arbitrary, then often, uh, sometimes you are together, but then you can be also in separate clusters. So if the data is easy to cluster, that means that almost always you get the same data points in the same cluster. So you, could, you can validate like that. Um, you can validate this by also taking uh, subsets of, of the data, ignoring randomly uh, some part of the data and see if you get some similar clustering out from the data. And, and if you do these kind of uh, multiple clusterings, then you can sort of try to argue that, okay, now we can uh, create some measure that how frequently my two points are ending up in the same cluster and how frequently they are split between the clusters. Okay, um, I will switch now a little bit gears um, to to the to the graphs. Uh, graphs are also talking about 
objects or points, and what we show is only the relationship between the two entities. Right? If we have just data points and we calculate the distance measures, we calculate relationships between every point in space. But graph usually says that these two are related, and if there is no link, then there is no relationship. You can say that within the graph distance, if there is a connection, distance is zero, otherwise it's infinity. Uh, or you could be uh, behaving uh, differently, you could calculate all the distances and say that let's put the uh, cutoff only those small distances we call the graph edges, and all the rest we leave out. Uh, you may look around at each other, you roughly know the basis, there may be some relationship between you, but in your social network, you don't have everybody in your connection. So the closer friends perhaps are in the social network connected to you. Uh, so of course social networks, hyperlinks, um, citation indexes, one paper cites another paper, uh, one author cites another author, uh, two authors are co-authoring the same article. So all these relationships you can express as a graph. Uh, often these graphs, uh, as you know, will have uh, interesting properties, like there are, there are some highly connected nodes that have many connections, and then there is, uh, from your point of view, long tail of, well, in the long tail you have these, uh, some of the nodes that are highly connected, but in the beginning you have many of the nodes that have very few connections. Uh, in, the, in the graph world, if you think about the social network, then what is the uh, kind of common analysis need? Is to identify friendship clusters. Click is somewhere, something where everybody is connected to everybody else in the same click. Or some modules that are highly connected uh, within one group and then sparse connections to outside. Uh, often these graphs end up to be uh, very hard to visualize because there are so many connections that they are so dense, it's really hard to visualize. This is one example where the layout that has been very simple, just on the circle uh, you put the nodes. Uh, on the outer circle there is another set of nodes where there is only one connection. From the outer circle to inner there is just one connection, that's why it looks strange in here. But within the circle you have many connections and it's so, such a mess, uh, you can't really visualize that easily. Moreover, in this case, uh, there is probably around, uh, around 20,000 uh, uh, genes as objects, and then the protein interactions are, have been shown, uh, which proteins have uh, similarity in the sequence, they originate from the same uh, common ancestors, uh, which proteins or which genes are uh, co-expressed, or which are regulated together. So many different things that you can show. Between the two genes there is a relationship. One data reveals one type of relationship. Another data reveals a different type of, of relationship. A 
and you put all of these together in the large graph. From this graph, you would like to find clusters. Uh, clusters of uh, nodes that are somehow densely connected to each other, or some sort of module. And then some other modules that are, are again, uh, clustered together, uh, but so much, not so much between the modules. So how to go from this representation, which is ugly, to this, these are the, from this data, you can find these modules. Uh, Still the, uh, still, the graphs are a little bit hard to grasp in here, but you can see that it would be much easier to start analyzing such uh, modules within the data. Uh, so this is another, uh, well, this is uh, going from here by uh, graph clustering you can identify subgraphs that are sort of uh, modules within the larger data. If you think of the data as the graph, like in here, then module would be something where there are many connections, somehow strong connectivity within this region or within that region. In here, there is a strong connectivity and only few connections outside. Right? So we, that's what we call a module in the graph or cluster in the graph. Um, moreover, in, in, in this case, uh, the data was about uh, um, genes and proteins. So actually, we know something about some of the individuals in this module. And if, if the stuff that we know uh, until now, if, if it's similar, if, if there ends up that in this Cluster, there are surprisingly many uh, genes with a shared function, then we say that, oh yes, of course, this entire module must be related to that function. So we can interpret that thing. If you find a uh, module with the social network and uh, ends up uh, that uh, they attended the same school, most of the people in the same module uh, went to the same school, or oh, does this uh, friendship related to the school. So the same analogy in here. But how, how do we find such models? How, how, do, how would we do clustering in this space? Instead of genes or proteins, you could also think of the hyperlinks between the web pages. Web page links to another web page that links back. Um, so how, how do we find uh, clusters of such connected, highly connected uh, uh, links in the, in the graph? The algorithm that has been uh, used in here is uh, something that is called Monte Carlo, well, Markov chain Monte Carlo clustering, which is a Markov chain, just a, a random chain. Markov chain comes from the probability. 
you come to the state and then with a certain probability you go to the next state. And once you're in this state, it doesn't matter if you come from this or this place, you just know what is the probability to go out. So in the, in the Markov chain with, with no history, you don't care where you come, you just go forward by a certain probability. And if you keep um, doing this, this can be interpreted as putting a random monkey traveling the links. Just a random uh, process that keeps uh, traveling the links, just randomly selecting the next algorithm link, uh, passing through the nodes uh, for as long as you can calculate. Uh, this process is actually very, very interesting because, because this random uh, hopping in the network uh, on one side gives you the Google PageRank algorithm. Which page is the most important in the internet? All the links, if you randomly click, you'll frequently visit that page again, 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 and again. You can count how frequently you end up on certain pages. Just random hopping. How do we get clustering from this process? We can count every time that we, how many times we visit every node, or how, how frequently we, we use any edge in here. And what would give us the clustering? The clustering would be something where we, where we, once we end up in here, we wander around in here frequently, and then we go out again, right? So we use once, stay in here, go out, and else we go, right? So this edge will be visited less frequently. So we can uh, think of the process where we uh, let this random walking to happen, and then we strengthen the nodes, the edges that are visited frequently, and weaken the ones that are uh, not visited frequently. And weaken the ones that are not visited frequently to the extent that we start removing them. We make the frequently visited edges stronger, less frequent ones weaker, until we remove them. And then, if you remove enough edges, then we are left with the clusters uh, and have broken the ties to the other cluster. So, this process looks uh, kind of, uh, yes, we need to take a long time to uh, make this hopping around, but uh, if you How many from here were in the algorithmics class? Four. So the rest of you, well, those already know that the graphs you can represent as, a, as an adjacency matrices, and with the adjacency matrices you can do nice tricks, like uh, calculating paths by matrix multiplication. So this algorithm that I just described, Markov chain multi-public clustering, uh, using random walks according to the edge weights, um, 
and these regions that are open visited, they will form uh, clusters. This can, uh, but the process looks like this. Original graph, you start making some edges stronger, some weaker, and this is the end result. Yeah? From this graph, you get this end result. The process is this code of three lines. Infinite loop, as long as something changes, you calculate matrix times matrix, you get a new matrix, you do some tricks, inflating, uh, making the uh, strong peaks uh, stronger, weakling things weaker, uh, then you calculate the difference. The old one, sorry, the, yeah, after this change, the new M1 is it different uh, from the previous uh, one and two. Did we change anything? As long as there is significant change, we keep doing this cycle. So our random walk process, in fact, is by matrix multiplication, you do all the walks, all the one-hop walks in once, in a way, in a single command. And as long as there are any changes, um, you keep doing this, and you stop, and just print out the clusters that you have achieved at the end. So conceptually, this is very easy. Of course, technically, uh, these matrices are sparse. Uh, most of the connections are not there. Uh, you would need to use sparse matrix uh, libraries, and be careful, uh, basically, how do you implement uh, this code, but the conceptual walking, random walk, is very simple. Uh, likewise, the Google PageRank conceptually is a very simple algorithm, just doing uh, matrix multiplications on the entire internet. Uh, okay, so this shows that. Uh, for the, if you think of the data as the graphs, we can also apply some different graph uh, clustering uh, algorithms to uh, to find modules in the graphs. If you if you really go to the social network side, then there are actually many different ways how to define the communities. The problem with the communities is that your communities can be overlapping. There can be strong overlaps between the communities. One community. The other one, there can be strong overlap. So maybe five of you are friends related to uh, studying the same thing, but you also do the same uh, sports, for example. Yeah. Uh, but these different uh, types of activities of people, like my sports activities, my, my friends, my, my study mates, these are different communities uh, that can be overlapped. Uh, okay, um, this is roughly about uh, about the clustering, but we continue today with uh, something that is called the seriation. Um, do you have any questions or any anything about the clustering so far? Uh, 
inner, uh, I'm using the inner uh, slides that he was presenting in 2009, so I'm borrowing uh, some of that. Um, doing a little bit of changes, of course, in, the, in here. In uh, Tallinn Universal Technology, they have been working uh, on this variation type of topics. So what is serviation? We uh, okay. So um, we I'm coming to the serviation. Serviation is not a little bit related to clustering, but somehow we wanted to find one ordering. Um, I, I will come to that. But uh, uh, this is illustration of the of uh, again from the data analytics point of view. If you think of the graph representing some type of data. We just talked about relationships uh, and finding modules, finding uh, clusters in the graph. Uh, we can, by the way, represent graphs as adjacent matrices. As I hinted, from node 4 there are connections to 1, 4 is cell group, and 7. From 4 there is 1 and 7 links. So relationship between the graphs and matrices is uh, straightforward. But just looking at this graph of uh, five uh, nodes, the, the question in here is, is uh, how do we want to analyze uh, such graphs? And the simple question to you, uh, which node you would like to be? If there are five uh, people involved uh, and the relationship means somebody loves somebody else, then which person you would like to be in this crowd. Back there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry? Three maybe. Three maybe. And uh, you want to be the relationship where you also have the side affair <laughs> <laughs> to the same person with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? I think one and four are different people. One and four are different, of course, yeah. But you said you would like to be here. You love one and you love four. Yeah, one loves you back, but you both share a common affection to four. That, that, I would call that either either as interesting life or kind of miserable life. You both know that you can't get that person. All of them are miserable. All of them are miserable. Yeah. So, so, so I is the only one that's in an affair, but uh, two partners. Yeah, but if you're two, so you said you would like to be two. No, I said five. You? Oh, five. <laughs> two is not. But two and five are kind of equal, right? And in here, you care about each other, and you don't care about the rest of the world, right? So you kind of agree that you would like to be two or five, to be in the happy marriage relationship. 
That's probably happening, right? But now, if we change uh, the concept and say that these are not the individual people, and it's not about love, it's about companies doing business, company A selling to company B, which the CEO of which company you would like to be. In the tough business world, you want to be a CEO, you want to run the company, which company you want to have? One, four. Okay. Most nodes uh, have four, so why do you have anything when you do not? But one is selling more for them. They probably want to be the one who has... One and three are equal, okay. In fact, one is selling for three, so maybe better. Yeah, but three is also selling for one. Yeah. But one and three are equal. It's just the concept how do we... Yeah, it's the concept how do we visualize actually two, one in the middle, two at the bottom. Right? They are equal and equal. Uh, um, we have alternative. Uh, and your your thinking was how? Huh? It's most diverse. Um, uh, this thing who sells somebody else, maybe it's it's some uh, parts, uh, maybe it's some important uh, pieces. So it's kind of entire supply chain. Right? Who supplies? Who buys? The entire supply chain. If you think of the four. Four has a total control over the supply chain. The producers sell to him. He can make the price as low as he wants. And the consumers in here need to buy from, from that guy, and he, he can make the price as high as he wants. Not to ruin the relationship. But intuitively, this node in here controls the entire supply chain. Is the the bridge point between the between the two parts of the graph. So that means that even even from the very simple graphs, you can think that graph analysis you would need to identify different types of nodes depending on your analysis need and to verbally express what you really want to uh, look for in the graph. You have to define this uh, in some way of some characteristics, and then you need to find the algorithm that finds you the nose with these characteristics. So this is uh, graphs, and as I just said, the graphs can be easily, easily visualized as matrices. So there is one-to-one -one correspondence between the graph and the matrix representation. In here, the diagonal, uh, basically the cell groups, uh, there, there can be different uh, uh, representations. Do you want to have the cell group or not? Uh, it has a, a certain concept. Uh, well, if you do matrix multiplications, then if you want to do two hop, uh, one or two hop, uh, take this graph but make a version of that where you create also the two hop nodes, then having the diagonal is good. Uh, etc. So you can represent sometimes with the diagonal or sometimes without it.
So this graph corresponds to this representation, and of course you don't need to see the zeros and ones, you can just visualize it as a heat map. White and black heat map in this case. So we can think of the data matrix analysis as kind of uh, something where we just look at these heat maps, right? In here, these are binary zero one. Uh, previously, we have been looking also at the numeric data uh, floating point numbers, and uh, and these heat map maps with the floating point numbers and with relationships. I already showed that it's actually a very old concept, eighteen seventy three. Uh, so we just have more powerful computers now. So uh, what we do today is uh, look at a, a, a minimalistic way on the serviation, uh, how the serviation is somewhat different from clustering. So serviation is exploratory combinatorial data analysis technique. <coughs> we want to explore the data in combinatorial fashion, also the clustering is, is in that category. To reorder objects, in here we do not group, but we want to order the objects into a single sequence along one dimension continuum uh, so that we reveal the regularity or patterns among the entire series. So uh, this is, again, something that I showed. This is a mess. Uh, this shows the clustering, but within the clusters, we can see the order, right? So you can, we can actually do the global ordering uh, through this data uh, easily. And in here, uh, the soup, basically, we get the, some sort of ordering of the data. So if this is the raw data, show different uh, Objects with different types of attributes, the colors of the jacket and trousers, how many clusters there are. Three. Three. So this data you can, on one side, cluster into three or four clusters. K equals four, four clusters. One, two, well, two clusters have two types of individual, or variation where you go from gray to red, slowly you turn it to red, and then you turn it to blue. So clustering gives you the groups, and variation somehow tries to find the ordering or some, some sort of continuum through the data. Once you have, if the continuum is somehow nice, then you can, of course, visually try to make uh, the clusters out of this, uh, where you put the uh, cutoffs in it. One, two, three, four, five, six types of uh, objects. Is it three clusters, four clusters? You can sort of uh, decide. But we would like to get some sort of order. That's the point of the serviation. Um, so in a way, what, what, when I told you to analyze the images that have been reshuffled, in a way you would like to serviate that data 
uh, through uh, row to row of the pixels, right? So our matrices, uh, if it's a graph comparing countries to countries or linked to the object to itself, then we have n by n matrices. Uh, one mode, there is the same object is on rows and columns, and the relationship distance matrix, for example, is there. Or sometimes we have objects and attributes, then it's n times m matrix. Uh, but we talk about these, uh, these types of matrices, right? In here, the objects are on the columns, and some attributes are on the rows. So, what, is, what does this data represent? These are some, some sort of habitable places that uh, uh, have different uh, properties to, that doesn't have the high school, uh, or is there a single room school in that location? Doesn't have the veterinary service, some do not have doctors. The white ones have doctors, but black are no doctors. No water supply. And only three have police station. So, what is the, what does this data represent? Sorry? A map. Kind of cities. Kind of, uh, kind of cities. But let's try to do the magic. Let, let's assume that we have an algorithm that tries to order things. Then we get this order. We have cities or that are urban. Cities in here. Smaller towns and villages and poor villages two of which have no water supply. So uh, from this representation, uh, we can come to this by ordering or seriating, but finding some sort of order through the, uh, through the attributes and through the, uh, these townships. Uh, and th now it's much easier to try to analyze uh, which towns have which properties and how the cities are different from the villages. So you get uh, in the data and you try to get, get out the meaning of the data. Uh, this data and this variation, well, exactly the same data is on the next slide, exactly the same data. Look at this pattern in here, one, two, three, four, and five, six. Exactly the same is in here. And this is what I showed. Yeah? Uh, Bertrand, I don't know which year, uh, presented this as manual reordering. So that was actually done manual, just reordering manual. Uh, different. Algorithms of clustering or, or seriation or ordering can give you slightly different outputs. For example, if you just make the algorithm, maybe this is actually 
maybe uh, quite nice to get the same kind of intuition if you're maybe not as well seriated, but you get some sort of groups in the data. So from this data, uh, you get this, 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 this representation. Uh, how do we tell the algorithm, uh, or even, uh, even intuitively, how do you say which one is the best? Of course, the one that I showed manually, where we could interpret uh, that uh, uh, the largest cities go to the smallest villages, and the attributes defining the largest cities uh, go to the attributes defining the villages. So we have two way orderings in here, right? But if the data is just this binary 0, 1 matrix, then we have to somehow define what is what we are looking for that data. Um, in a way, all of these somehow need to identify these larger blocks in the data. Right? You, you reorder and get somehow homogeneous blocks. And, and of course, the, these are different heuristics that try to. You, you can do it two ways. One is just you define my heuristic is this. I just apply it, and on this data, I produce this stupid representation. Could not put 14 and 10 next to each other. Somehow it has split these two. I, I don't know why. I don't know this algorithm. But it has not done a very good job in here. It's just some heuristic. On the other hand, you could say that I will find I will define some objective measure so that I want to optimize. I want to maximize or minimize, maximize some sort of large areas of these blocks, homogeneous blocks, minimize all the errors in here. Or all these kinds of strange things, you can say this is my objective measure. I want to maximize some sort of some sort of homogeneity in the data after its aggregation. And then you say that okay, I want to maximize this or minimize some measure, and then I want to just find the algorithm that does this. Maybe from row to row, I want to minimize the traveling salesman distance. The distance from one road to the next, to the very end, on both ways, and finally such reordering that minimizes both uh, dimensions. Uh, and then you know that traveling salesman problem is something that is NP hard, so probably the algorithm that tries to find you the optimal is slow. Maybe you can't get the optimal out anyway. But at least you have the measure, and you can try to say that I want to optimize this measure, and then you try to find some meta heuristic, uh, some uh, some greedy algorithms, some uh, uh, genetic algorithms, some simulated dynamic, whatever, some technique that optimizes for a certain measure. And just by reordering rows 
and columns, getting some results, you can put some, assess how good this result is by some mathematical measure, and then ask, okay, find me the optimal uh, reordering. In here, you saw sort of like the largest towns to the smallest villages, and the attributes defining the largest towns to the smallest villages. This kind of ordering has the very, sometimes there is a very natural ordering, and originally this, data, uh, this type of analysis came from archaeology. You go digging with one place, you find one type of coins, the other types of coins, maybe a third type of coins, and then you go to the, to the next, you find two items that are the same, but something new appears. It's a later location. In the time, through the time, maybe you originally it's pottery, bones, and spears, nothing fancy, just pottery and spears, and then copper appeared. And maybe then in one place some glasswork has appeared, and steelwork has appeared. So there may be some very distinct timeline through the uh, archaeological sites. You report what you have found. If you have the same time, uh, about the same time but different location, you should find almost the same thing, right? So the difference between the two locations is minimal. And going through the timeline, you get natural order. So in archaeology, they did this kind of analysis uh, manually, trying to reorder, trying to put that timeline of different uh, locations. Of course, now you can use the carbon uh, dating, etc. But this is one way. Uh, okay, this uh, this was uh, in that has been working on that. So basically, uh, there is some uh, website where you can uh, test different measures, uh, different methods. So. Um, Hierarchical clustering, we analyzed, but we never told what is the order really in here. It's just hierarchical clustering, just any order, right? In here you can swap, but also in here you can swap. In here, you, in any node, you can swap. How many different orders? Hierarchical clustering one, but it could be reordered Oh, this is a very nice reordering. One of them, how many different possible ways to order hierarchical clusters? Data points, how many nodes in the hierarchical clustering tree? Binary tree with n leaves, how many nodes in the binary tree? You really should come to the algorithmics class. Come on, software engineers, there is no excuses that you do not know these things. 
one node connects two, right? For two, you have one. For three, you have two. And for for four, you have three. Do I need to continue this? And I forgot. Sorry. And no. N minus one. And you have to prove this by induction. One tree, how many leaves? Another tree, how many leaves? Now that we merge the trees, we introduce one more. If there was M and N, there is, if we do N minus one, N minus one, now we add one, so what we have M plus N plus one minus one minus one. N plus N minus one, right? So always how many leaves minus one. How many different orders? At each one of those we can swap. Two choices to the power of n minus one. The exponential number of these uh, orders is actually less than the permutations, which is a different uh, sorting orders, right? It's sorting for sorting is n factorial, and it's in, in here it's two to the power of n minus one, and n factorial is larger. So it's possible to do hierarchical clustering, but still, after we have the hierarchical clustering, it's still possible to try to fit some ordering on top of the hierarchical clustering. In here, kind of minimize the path length through all the consecutive uh, objects. Like again, like tra traveling salesman problem, traveling salesman problem type. But now restricted to the uh, to the three reorder. Uh, so that well, this n times n matrix, n times n uh, orders for hierarchical uh, clustering in here on the top, reordering the, the columns, reordering the rows, basically we get double reordered data matrix. We have already seen that. Yeah. Uh, so this ordering you can enforce with a hierarchical clustering and variation on both axes. Okay, now you have the technique and now you do this uh, visually in your head. What is in the data? What do you see in the data? Horizontally, there's like one quarter row, and then this one is actually very easy. 
In this case, you can count how many ones there is in the column for every column, and you can sort. Or how many is in the row, and you can sort. And this data looks like this. So this is very simple uh, ordering, very, by just by frequency you can uh, solve, and uh, kind of kind of Pareto principle that uh, that small number of those that have everything, and uh, uh, many that have uh, not so much, or vice versa. Uh, so this is uh, this is what we would like to get. With this ordering or sorting, right? Probably the cluster also would reveal uh, some of this. So, uh, as I mentioned, actually, uh, for more than 100 years, uh, this type of data analysis has been happening more than 100 years. Uh, in here, you can see hands doing manual testing. Um, so, Different types of uh, um, uh, areas in uh, archaeology, biology, manufacturing, statistics, anthropology, sociology, cartography, operational research. Everybody kind of comes to the similar types of products and reinvents the wheel if they don't know the other field. But uh, these kinds of things basically. Uh, uh, have been happening for the last hundred years. Uh, so now it's uh, there is some role in the information visualization and uh, human-computer interactions. Basically, of course, it's, it's not. Uh, there are many different. Uh, well, you can do clustering and machine learning, etc. This is just one small aspect of the data analysis, uh, but it allows for some information visualization, and therefore it's also useful in the data mining. And of course, the fields are driven by the application areas where the data comes from, either biology or social network analysis. Now we have really huge social networks, uh, different optimization communities. Um, so it's the methods, it's very hard to study the methods, just methods abstractly and then find applications. Sometimes you work with application, you have your data, and you come up with a data analysis solution. Right? And then they, you may uh, find out, oh, by the, by the way, the other field had also similar analysis needs, and there were uh, similar ideas. So all these kinds of heat map representations, hierarchical clustering, ordering, so these are uh, now popular for the last 20 years due to these powerful computers. So a lot of that has happened over the last 20 years now. Uh, 2001, uh, for example, when the hierarchical clustering was very common, so uh, so they showed that on this data, if you do this optimal reordering of the leaves, or optimal reordering, you get this result. Um, 
And of course, you can say that yes, on this data, this result is much nicer than this one. You understand the data much better somehow in this case. Um, since people have been working for this for 100 years in different communities, of course, uh, these fields, uh, they all invent different uh, names. So here I've been talking about reordering or segregation, but you can start talking about uh, different names, permutations, visualization, uh, block clustering, bi-clustering of, of two-way clustering, uh, bi-clustering, co-clustering, you can see many different names for similar um, it's, that's why it's very tricky to sometimes uh, figure out that the other field has done something similar because they may have different names for that either by accident or maybe on purpose but probably more than more about the accident so um, to summarize somehow what we have been looking at so far is this was this Pareta variation where you just count it, sorted by the counts. Uh, this is uh, uh, kind of single dimension variation. Sometimes if uh, we get the blocks, block diagonals around the uh, diagonal, you have blocks. So clearly one, two, three are related, and there is no relationship to others. So that's a very nice cluster, right? Tight clusters in here. Uh, and in here, uh, this kind of uh, visualization shows that sometimes the data is uh, like a checkerboard that you have. Uh, maybe you can't put these things, everything together, but you will get multiple blocks in the data. And not, not the same method necessarily applies for both means. Was it scary enough? So, before we do, before we analyze this, this is actually easy. So, what is that we want to get? If these are the uh, four examples of the good outputs, then how would you define what the good is? You can you can express what you want. Make it more concrete. I want this. I want this better. For example, in the last one, like where it flows, you can say which one is like what's more frequent. Yeah. Well, this is the heuristic. If if, if the data has this property, like in here, that like Pareto observation. So you just you can just count and sort by the count, right? By the frequency. But but this data you don't get that, right? All of them have the same roughly the same counts. There are different types of data. Um, in here, every time three attributes is indicated. You can't sort it sort on three, right? All of them have three. But what is it what we want visually somehow? What defines in here a kind of cluster or, or nice cluster or block or 
uh, what would be an outlier in your individual spot somewhere or what, what is the outlier? So you would uh, just do this minimum uh, uh, for the, the traveling salesman problem. You go from one to the next to the next to the next, you should have small increments in differences, right? And then the global ordering gives the uh, traveling salesman solution. Um, yes, so, so one is to define really that the between distances between every two rows, every two uh, columns, and then say that we want to reorder so that the global distance is minimized. Uh, but what else in here? Somehow you would like to see these blocks of the same color. Large blocks of the same color. You don't want to be to be white spot. You want to somehow reward the black spot in the middle of blacks. And white in the middle of whites, or maybe, maybe we just stick to the blacks. Right? You want to maximize the number of black spots that are fully su surrounded by blacks. So this is uh, this. Um, we want to maximize this formula. Um, Phi and phi is, is in here different reorderings. Just one reordering is one permutation of rows. So for one permutation, we want to find one permutation of rows and one permutation of columns. We want to maximize the, uh, this formula and find the two permutations such that you once you fix one permutation, when you go through every row and every column, every, basically when you go through every element in here, you will, this is every element in the matrix A, I, and J in these permutations. So for every cell in here, you want to reward that being in the middle of four black spots, or maybe eight black spots. So in, in this formula, we only looked at North, uh, East, South, and West, only the four neighbors. Uh, so if this is black, you add in here the four neighbors. If all of them are black, then you have one plus one plus one plus one, then you have four. So one times four. If the, if the black is in between four blacks, for this you get score four. For this you get score, this is black, and around that is two blacks, so this gets a score two. This white, in this example, we don't count at all. And this one gets the score one. This one gets the score two. So you can go through every spot, every uh, location, and just count how frequently you have the blacks around it. And, and then the task is to find such permutation order that maximizes this formula. Um, the other one was that you said this is the sum going from one to the last line, going distance from one to the next uh, line or column. Basically, this is a traveling salesman uh, solution. You want to make this 
the smallest, so for rows the smallest, for columns the smallest, so that the uh, traveling salesman solution for rows times the columns is minimized. Find such the permutation. And in here you can then, well this means that you can express what you want with a, with a formula. <coughs> Uh, you want to optimize for these two formula, for example, and then you can select your meta heuristic that tries to apply greedy or simulated amelie, uh, art colony optimization, uh, different uh, types of uh, hill climbing methods, different types of genetic algorithms, uh, you name it. Anything that are meta heuristics for optimization or the cases where the number of permutations is, is n factorial, so the number is uh, growing faster than the 2 to the power of n. Uh, so to go through every possible permutation, you don't have enough time. Uh, so you have to apply some heuristic uh, to try to solve for optimal solution for one or the other. Uh, formula. And of course you can play with this formula, you can you can probably come up with something more, like we said, we only rewarded these uh, four around us, maybe we should reward all the seven around this flag, or maybe you can find some more complicated uh, cases that maybe you reward if the bytes are consecutive, you don't want to allow these uh, patchy regions. But this is something that you can express in the formula and then just let your optimization routine uh, find the optimal uh, permutation uh, in the given time. So, uh, what, we, what did we uh, discover today? That, of course, the graph layout and matrix representation are equal. They are, you can represent graph as the matrix, or you could do it vice versa as well. You could take the matrix and represent that as a graph. Do we just find correlations in the data? Um, just solve everything on the correlation. Basically, unfortunately, we can't. Uh, we can't just, we need all pairwise correlations, not just a single correlation. Uh, Is this graph layout or matrix representation, which one is better? Well, I guess it depends on the situation. So in one case, if the graph you can, you can understand uh, nicely, then if there is a good layout of the graph, then the graph can be better. For some other data, maybe the matrix can be better. Uh, so in here, we looked at this example the, in the beginning. The simulation of this matrix layout, you can represent the same as the graph layout. A's are the uh, A's are the attributes, and uh, townships are the T's. So which township or villages have which attributes? So this is this is the correspondence between the uh, matrix layout and the graph layout. So in this case, perhaps. This layout is better. 
if you can find this layout, uh, this maybe is better than this graph layout, bipartite graph. If you have m times m relationships, then it's bipartite uh, graph. m and m respectively. Okay, and then uh, in the previous lectures, we have been looking at the correlations between the data, and uh, all the data have the same correlation coefficients, the same linear regression line, to the data exactly the same uh, linear regression lines. But as you can see, without the visualization, it would be very hard to uh, just do something with the two numbers. So. So correlation is tries to measure one type one in one number uh, to tell how, how similar they are, but of course the correlation can be also uh, misleading sometimes. For the clustering, uh, well the the, the infinite question about how many clusters there is uh, is relevant. And since sometimes we really do not know that, maybe you could say that, oh, let's just solve everything. But on the other hand, we know that you can't solve everything on the linear dimension, right? On the single dimension. You can't. Sometimes you can, sometimes you cannot. So, uh, some of the other types of real uh, data some visualizations, so basically you can, uh, if you have real, real big uh, data, then maybe some of these uh, uh, variation type of algorithms give you some overview of the data. In here, I don't see much of these blocks. Like we just, as I just said that we would like to maximize the number of blocks. Uh, maybe it's not vis visible in here at all. Maybe some other algorithm is needed. In here, there is some dense regions, a little bit of Pareto variation, but maybe also something, uh, something else. Um, okay, we have uh, 15 minutes to show one type of heuristic uh, for matrix reordering. Uh, this is something that uh, in Simon Leobohan that has been working on long time ago is now 80 plus. Uh, and Vina did uh, finish his PhD a uh, few years ago. Um, so, again, just showing some of the examples. So this is kind of, if you have data, we would like to get some sort of conformity in the data. What does it mean, conformity? Conformity to the most typical cases. Are you the typical examples or are you outliers in a way? So what is this conformity? Um, so in these pictures, the typical and outliers, the most conformant would be this yellow sugary drink. In here, that oranges would be the typical case. And in here, which one is outlier? 
depends. But the conformity analysis, somehow the goal is to find what is the most typical If you can, again, this is related to clustering, so in theory you can recognize the familiar uh, heat map and the one-way clustering, the other-way clustering, and if you can uh, create these, these regular blocks, then clearly this identifies a group of objects and attributes or objects and, and conditions where these are somehow similar, right? Or maybe, well, it depends on the color now, what does it mean? Similar or not. So we have six objects and five attributes. What is the most typical example in here? What would be the most typical object in this representation? You could say that something that is most frequent, right? For example. Right? So we would like to find the most typical representative sort of object seven that would be the most typical case of the more. For the object 7, that is the most typical case of them all, what should be the value of attribute 1? 0, right? Because 0 is majority for attribute 1. For attribute 2? 1. 3, 0, 4, 1, 5, 1. So you, what you can do is you can count the frequency of 1s. In here twice and four times, uh, zero is four times. Uh, zero, one, zero, one, one, right? That somehow is it even zero, one, zero, zero, one, zero, one, one, zero, one, zero, one, one. The most typical are one, two, oh, two and oh, three, right? In this example. But we can take these counts and as reward this one with two points, this zero with the four points, this zero with the four points. Right? So every every value here we can say how many of the same attributes there was in their respective. And then we can count what is the total conformity of object 1. We get the score 12. You get for these, you get score 20, 20 because these were always the maximum score. Right? So 2 and 3 are the most conformant. By this counting, rewarding the points, they were giving the most typical answers in all the cases. They are most uh, conformant. So we get the conformity. We 
get from here the reward points, we add them up, we get the conformity score, and we can just solve. <coughs> We can do the same with the columns. One gets just one reward point, and zero gets four reward points. In here, one gets one, two, three reward points, and zero gets two reward points. So likewise, we can give, give all the reward points and get the counts in here. And again, we have uh, the two uh, they happen to be exactly the same values again, 20 and 20 points. It's easy to count, add the reward points, count the reward points, total conformity of the attributes, get the score, and solve again. So you count frequency, you add them up, and you solve. One dimension and the other dimension. And you get this. Two and three were exactly the same. Uh, two and four were exactly the same. Yes, you can see that. So from this data, by this simple counting, adding up and sorting, uh, we can get the conformity scale and sort the data and get the most typical objects, most typical attributes. Uh, in the top left corner of the matrix. So this is a very simple heuristic um, that may bring you value for finding certain types of uh, objects and attributes in the data. So, I think I was listening to one presentation of Leo Lohandu some, I think it must be around 20 years ago. <laughs> and uh, uh, he, he's, he's a really, really great guy, really, really uh, great presenter. And he was talking about all these different uh, uh, stuff that they have been analyzing. And they have been analyzing data from uh, different, uh, different uh, water level measuring places in Estonia. In those times you, you put the stick and you see the water is 3 meters and water is 3.2 meters in some other places. You just measure the groundwater levels, right? And, uh, and somehow this data was given to him and then he did some of these type of uh, tricks and found what, what are the most conformant and then said that uh, Hey, in this well, in this one location, your measure is by one meter off. And somebody had uh, played a trick on these people in there and cut the measure off by one, uh, one meter. So they, they were counting the, the, the levels, but that was by one meter off. How did you know that? I'm like, your data tells that story. If you pay attention to your data, then data tells all kinds of stories, right? So if, if among the, all the conforming uh, measurements you have one outlier, then maybe, maybe it's a measurement error, right? 
so you can, in this way, try to find outliers, of course, find relationships. It's kind of different, uh, uh, just one heuristic. Uh, you can think of the self-organization of coherence, and you can start saying all the relationships to all the other types of data analysis, finding the association patterns, association rules, or clustering. So these types of analysis is one type of heuristic among many others. But as you can see, it can be sometimes things can be made relatively simple because we just counted the frequencies, got the frequencies, uh, the conformity scales, just did the single sorting on both dimensions, and we have very efficient algorithm compared to what I was just telling you that we have the objective measure and we have the exponential time algorithm to find the objective uh, op uh, optimum. So, um, if this me measure is, uh, this method is nice, then uh, why don't you try to implement it in uh, SQL and just deploy it on their database? So, uh, in a, uh, well, made this SQL and basically said that this is uh, tested on these different uh, database engines without many, without tricks, so you can actually uh, implement this algorithm in here. Of course, you need to see which data tables you, 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 you generate, etc. but somehow. Yeah. Can you spot the error in here? <laughs> but if, if you think what was happening, then you just uh, count how many times every value has been, and then for every value, put that count. Uh, add them up and sort, um, then maybe it's not so impossible to implement it in SQL. Through by and order by at the end. Uh, so yeah, when you when you develop some data analysis method, then you learn to to work with that method. You, you learn to find the correct parameters, you, you learn to understand it, does this method work in this case, does it not work? Um, so sometimes, for, for, for any method there will be some data for which it works nicely. But there is no method that works uniformly across all the data sets, and all the conditions. And that's why it's really data driven analysis. You, you need to understand the data and what type of things you would like to get out from that data and then apply the respective methods. So um, this kind of uh, concluded that part and some other visualizations. So old time, um, I don't know, was, was it school violence example? Or in the manufacturing, you can, if you identify certain types of nodes or patterns in the data, it can be bottlenecks, or in the supply chain, it can be excellent position um, to be, or in the psychology, that would be this miserable love uh, case. Um, so the same object may mean different things to 
dependent on depending on the data analysis context. So in supply chain, you want to control everything you buy and you sell, but in the lab, you don't want to be loved and love somebody else. Right? Uh, and these are the examples of the wooden or other blocks how you can actually work manually with these large matrices. Anybody ever tried to do the punch cards with, the, with these things? No? My father did <laughs> sometimes. At least I know what the concept is. Well, in here you can take the entire row out and reorder, right? Or, or column. And uh, um, Inner made, made these blocks for, for his kids to play. You can make the task uh, for kids. Uh, but yeah, this is impressive. So, so you guys can write the 10 lines of code and uh, do a better job than she does. Or maybe not. Maybe she has much better intuition about what she wants to get out of the thing. Think about that. Can you write the code that does a better job than, than what she is doing? And you are struggling with your R input statements. Do I get the header line or not? Okay, with this uh, we can finish for today. Uh, we discussed that the exam dates and uh, well, probably at the end of May should be this, uh, this project finishing by the end of May. And also the exam dates we will do the Doodle poll. So please be active in, in this uh, Doodle. And uh, with the project, uh, then it must be that I next, next year I have to uh, propose some ideas, I guess. You start thinking, do you have your own ideas, your own uh, data sets? Uh, look around with whom you would like to collaborate, uh, form some teams. Uh, so we, we get these uh, uh, projects kicked out as well. Okay. I think I got mail like that you provide.